Hey, and welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. We are a church that is for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We are passionate about helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So if you're just joining us for the first time, we would love for you to check out our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. There you can find ways to connect with us and see what's happening at Crosspoint. Now, let's listen to this week's Sunday message. Good to be here to, again together with you. Brenda and I have been away for a while. The series in Ephesians, last time we talked about it was the end of November. That's two months ago. And it seems a long time ago. But we want to take go back into this because we just did the first half of the book. And the second half of the book is about the application. The first half is about the gospel, the gospel of peace. It's about God's purposes and intentions. And the second part is about the application, how it works out in our lives. And so let's take a moment to pray and open our hearts, inviting the Lord to speak to us about how we can engage in his purposes. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you. Thank you for this day that you've given us. We rejoice in your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, that this is a day you have made. It's a day where we can come together to worship you, but also, Lord, a day where there's opportunity to be alone with you. And so, Lord, I pray that we would embrace it. We would embrace this moment of looking into your word and gaining new insights into your purposes for us and how we might serve you in this world. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to start by looking at Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 19, because you see... The first part of it is about the gospel, but these verses sort of encapsulate God's purpose. And I have to say, uh, along with uh, Adura, that song, Firm Foundation, when we started singing that, and as I embraced it and started to pray into it, I'm going, my goodness, this is my sermon wrapped up in a song. Because, you see, it's about... The fact that God was pulling people together from all kinds of backgrounds. It's about the fact that there is a firm foundation in his presence. And wherever two or three are gathered in his name, there he is amongst them. And so when our world is shaken, if we are built on him, we stand firm. And in standing firm, that means that the world can be doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But in this context, the house that is built on him, we find a safe place to engage with each other. And so when we look at verse 19, so now you Gentiles, talking about all of us, because, well, maybe we should check sometime how many Jewish people are amongst us. This passage is talking about Jews and Gentiles, and then most of us are Gentiles, right? There's some of us amongst us who are uh, Jewish, but you know what? When we stand before God, we're all equal. There's no differences between us anymore. He has made us one. So we're no longer str strangers to God, but rather we are citizens along with God's holy people. And we are members of God's family. And together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And guess who's the chief cornerstone? Jesus Christ. 
we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple. Through him, we are being made a part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. You see, this is what the book of Ephesians is about. It's about the fact that God is building his church. Jesus is building his church. Matthew chapter 16, there's that interesting passage where Jesus is sort of curious about what people are saying about him. So he looks to his disciples and says, what are people saying about me? And they say, well, some think you're Elijah, and some think this, and some think that. And then Jesus, like all of us, is curious about his disciples. What do you think? And Peter steps forward and he says, well, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, don't you realize, you didn't hear this from anyone else, but the Father put it in your heart, brought you to a place of believing. And Peter, your name is Rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, it's a difficult passage in some ways, right? Because we have all kinds of different interpretations about what the rock is and what is it that God is building his church on. Jesus said, I will build my church on this rock. And he was referring to Peter. I mean, the passage is pretty hard to avoid that. But I think it was more about not just Peter, but all of who he was. How he had moved from this fisherman and come to a place of realizing who Jesus Christ was. And it wasn't just that, but it was embracing that and saying, yes, you are my Lord. And so when he was speaking to Peter, you are the rock. And on this rock, yes, on who you are and how you've embraced the gospel. What about you? Are you part of that? Are you a rock? Are you someone that God can build his church on? That's what we're called to. We're being Knitted together, according to Ephesians chapter 2, right at the end. We're being knitted together, built upon each other to create a space where God can live and move by his spirit. That's what this is about. That's what the gospel is about. It's about a new people, a new kingdom being established amongst us. I'm going to go off script a little bit this morning. So we're going to have to try to catch up with the slides at some point. But I just want to say that when I think of God building us together as a place where he can live, and I think of you individually as the building stones there, it's not passive. You're not a rock that isn't engaged. Rather, you are a part of a community of faith where the Spirit of God can work in you and through you to bless other people. That's what he's building. He's building networks of people to stand for each other. Adura's testimony is one indicator of that. When you think about how her testimony talks about people, her friends who came around her at a dark time in her life, that is the church bringing life. When you think of them coming to Canada, and they sent out a call, and yeah, Jim and Brenda called or responded, but you 
responded. The Spirit of God worked in each of you, each of you that was engaged, whether it would be bringing in food, helping move things. That was the Spirit of God knitting us together in such a way that this family could land amongst us. And I don't know about you, but they've already blessed me. And that's what God does. He brings us together. And to stand for each other. But then to bless each other in the growth of that. So we're going to jump into chapter 4. That's just sort of a reminder of where we started. Chapter 4 is the beginning. And we did take a look at these verses on November 19th. But we need to go back to them. Ephesians 4, starting at verse 1. Therefore, I, a prisoner serving, uh, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. I have a particular belief about this passage <clears throat> that my professors at seminary did not agree with me about. However, I still hold to it, so you're going to get it again. You see, the verses we read at the end of chapter 2, if you go into chapter 3, you'll notice this little strange thing. When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles. And then he stops and pauses and he says, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me this special responsibility. He pauses and he interjects a thought. It broke the flow of his thinking. But if you take the end of chapter 2, through him, you Gentiles are, being, Gentiles are being made a part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. You see, when you are called into the building, when you are called to be part of the temple, there is... A responsibility there is a calling of God for you to participate in that us being joined together with God in his mission his purposes so you see there from 210 Ephesians 210 that God has said that he has created us we are his masterpiece he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. When God calls you, his intention is to work in us and knit us together in such a way that we become a building where people are safe and where his purposes are worked out amongst us and enable us to go beyond the walls of this safe place to minister to the world around. Can someone grab me a Kleenex, please? There's some right there. Yeah. Give me the whole box. I might cry. Thank you. So let's go on to the next passage. Okay, let's just see where we are. He has expectations of us, and he's in the process of equipping us equipping us to be builders alongside him. Jesus said he was building his church, but do you realize that part of building the church is discipleship? 
is us investing in the people around us. And so there is a very specific thing that is happening in this passage because it's not just that he has expectations that we would live in a certain way, live according to our calling. But if you look at verse 7, he says this, however, he has given each of us a special gift. When you look at this passage, actually, you'll notice that it is, however, he, the Father, it's talking about the Father, if you look in the verses before, God the Father has given us specific gifts. And Romans chapter 12 is a list of some of those gifts. In Romans chapter 12, he is talking about the spiritual gifts that the Father gives us that express his image in us. Matter of fact, every person in the world has these gifts. Romans 12, those gifts there are all of people from all over the world. I remember there was times in my ministry I would come across people who do not believe in Jesus. They might be from a different faith persuasion. And they're the way they interacted with the people around them was so full of grace and love. And I often said, they're more Christian than I am. Have you encountered that? Yeah, we all have. Put us to shame, don't they? But you know what it is? It's people who have taken who they are and they've come to understand themselves and they've lived out of the strength of the image of God that is in them. And they don't have a clue necessarily who God is. All they know is they've come to understand themselves and they live to the maximum in who God has made them to be. You see, God has given everybody that ability, everyone in the world. But then it goes on. It talks a little bit further here. So after verse 7, it goes, That's why Scripture says, When he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. This is an interesting verse because it's quoted from the Psalms. And where it's quoted in the Psalms, it says actually, he led crowds of captives. This is the sort of the victorious king coming back, right? Leading crowds of captives and receiving gifts is what the psalmist said. Paul turns this totally around. He just totally ignores what the scripture said at that point and said, he led captives and he gave gifts. And then he goes on to make this comment. Notice it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Why is that important? I'll tell you why it's important. It doesn't matter where in the world you go, Jesus will always be there. He is always present. We have friends that went to Mexico as missionaries, Mexico City. They found Jesus there. We have friends that were in Germany. They found Jesus there. We have friends, actually family, who went to Burkina Faso. They found Jesus there. They just flew down there this week to connect with the people they had ministered to in the past because they continue to see God working amongst those people. 
See, Jesus descended and came amongst us. But then he went back to heaven. Why? So he could fill the whole world with his presence. That means the Holy Spirit. He is present amongst us and in us and through us. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And you notice there, I gave you some questions that sort of help you understand what apostles are. Each of the roles. Apostles are those who help us to know how to plant the gospel in places we are sent. You see, the word apostle means sent ones. And these are the people who can look and see the need around them, and they can help us grow into what it means to take the gospel into a new environment. You see, the fivefold ministries that we're talking about here, the verse, it says that these are the fivefold ministries that you have, and they have been given to equip the saints for works of service. These are the tools that God has imbued Crosspoint with so that we could disciple people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. This is one of them. The second one up there, do people know how to hear from God and bring his heart to others? That's a prophet. A person who can hear the voice of God and communicate the heart of Jesus to others. People who know how to tell culturally relevant stories of Jesus, including their own. That's an evangelist. Adura, you were an evangelist this morning. But the reality is there's people amongst us who have the ability to communicate how to do that, to lead us into that, to help us grow in our ability to communicate our story or the work of God to others. And then... The pastor, do people know how to promote healing and build community? Pastors are those who come amongst us to do that. And then finally, the teacher, do people know how to engage in Scripture and help others do the same thing? See, each of these roles, functions, isn't necessarily an office. Rather, it is a function. It is a way that we serve each other and help each other grow into all that God has for us. Sometimes we make the mistake of labeling them as offices, and they lose their ability to touch the individuals. Because when we make it an office, we remove them, in a sense, from being amongst us to being above us. At any rate, let me see where I am in this. What's the next slide up there? Yeah, his goal is disciples. See, first of all, he invites us to become part of the process, right? Calls you to live according to the calling you've been called. But then his goal out of that is make disciples. Find people, lead them into relationship with Jesus. Help them to become followers. 
Their responsibility is to equip God's people for his work to build the church and the body. This will continue to, will continue, I think this is the next slide up there, by the way. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring to the full and complete standard of Christ. There we go. We want to grow up into who Christ is. That's what we're called to. I like this next section, verse 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. You know those red parts that are in that script up there? There's a, oh, they're not really red on that slide. They're red back there, sorry. But the pink ones, these are what it means to be a disciple. Think about it. We will no longer be immature children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. When we were singing the song, Firm Foundation, remember the not be shaken? That's part of being a disciple. That we have a confidence in our Lord. A confidence that where we stand is right and true. And it doesn't matter what the world around us is saying. We know who we are. We know what we believe, and we know what God's purpose is through us. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. How many of you have been tempted to be distracted by a scam? And there are all kinds of scams out there, aren't there? I mean, there's the ones that try to get out our money, but there's the scams that try to lead us down the garden path, in a sense. Instead, and here's what else you're supposed to do. You're supposed to speak the truth in love. Understanding we know what God is saying. We understand what his desires are. When we challenge people, we do it in a loving way. We do it caring about who they are. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. You all have special gifts. You need to understand and know what they are so that you can serve each other. It helps the whole body or parts, other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Does that sound like a safe place? Does that sound like God's intention in building the body of Christ? And that these gifts that we are, that are presented to us, they are amongst us and in us to be worked through us for each other and for every new person that comes through the door. I hearken back to Derek uh, Gust, who was here the last year leading in worship. One of the things about Derek that I really appreciated is it didn't matter what the circumstances were. If he saw somebody that was hurting or downcast or limping or just struggling in some way, more often than not, he would go over, engage with them, talk with them, and then say, can I pray for you? You know what? 
Every one of you can ask that question. Can I pray for you? Asking the question opens the door for God to work in you and through you. Now, the key part of that was Derek cared enough to talk with them first, to engage them, to get a sense of who they are and what their background is or what, what was, they were struggling with. But once he understood those things, he had no problem saying, can I pray for you? And I want to challenge you. In the context of Christian community, pay attention to each other and ask the question, when you hear ashes in someone's life, hard things in someone's life, ask, can I pray for you in the foyer? You might be in the most unusual places in the world, talking with them, and all of a sudden they'll come out, something will come out, and you can ask, can I pray for you? Back at a number of years ago now, we had a conference speaker come, and that was a challenge he threw to us. So I decided that I would pick up the challenge and see how often I could ask that question. And I have to tell you, just knowing that I was going to ask the question made me curious about what was it in people's lives that I could pray about. Curiosity, I believe, is a spiritual gift that needs to be cultivated. And one of the ways you cultivate it is saying, I'm going to pray with every person that I hear ashes from. And when you do that, you start listening to people. You start hearing the hard parts of their lives. They're telling their story, and they might say something as simple as, yeah, my grandson had a car accident the other day. It was his fault, and he was crying over it. True story. It happened in our family. Can I pray for you? Or it might be as simple as, my child is struggling at school, and I don't know what to do. Can I pray for you? I mean, there are the big things out there, right? But it's the day-to-day -day things that also open the door for God to act in us, to work through us. Jesus invites us to join him. First of all, by living a life worthy of the calling that we've been called to. Secondly, we are called to pursue knowing how we are equipped. Do you know how you are equipped? Do you know how God has created you with a particular aspects, strengths and weaknesses in your life? There's lots of ways to do that. But you need to be curious about yourself also. You need to ask the question, Lord, what is it you've given me? What are the resources I have? And it's not just the resources in terms of house and money and time. But it's the resources of God, how God has made you, created you. I don't know at what point I realized that God was calling me to be a teacher. Sometime around age 13 or 14, I realized that my desire was to teach, help other people understand something. 
And that has been something that has marked my life. But you want to know something? There are other aspects of who I am and the image of God in me. And I pursued trying to know and understand them. Some of them have driven my wife crazy. I have this little thing called ideation. It's from Strength Finders. It's a fancy word that means that I like to pull ideas apart and bring ideas together. In other words, I'm a bit of a dreamer. And Brenda always, you know, I say, you know, I have this idea. And Brenda says, which number is it? Because I've come up with a lot of ideas. I was going to say great ideas, but I'd be stretching it at that point. I've come up with a lot of ideas. Occasionally, they've been great. Most often, they don't meet the mark. But you want to know something? I've come to realize that that's an important part of who I am. That I can look at a circumstance, I can hear what's happening in a community, and all of a sudden, ideas start to flow about how to engage that community, how to help them move into ministry areas. That's just part of how God has made me. It's nothing special. But how has God made you? We did Strength Finders with our staff here. And I got to tell you, you have an amazing staff that have the image of God pressed in their lives in so many different ways. One of the primary uh, areas of um, strength that is in the staff is one called belief. This sense of being certain about what they know they believe and living their life out of that. Three or four of the staff have that as the root of their character. Some of them have the gift of significance. It's not just they want to be significant, but they're looking for significance in other people. You see, when they start to understand who they are and how God has made them, they start to see the tools that they can apply in ministry in caring for each other. And so I want to encourage you to know how you are equipped. And then finally, understanding his expectations for his church. And so I just want to read a couple passages. I'm going to go back to chapter, or beginning of chapter 4. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Verse 2. Here's some of the expectations that Jesus has for you as the people of God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit. Just as you were called to one glorious hope in the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all, in all, and through all. Live according to your calling. Can you just put up the last slide? This is a 
uh, website. If you're interested in the fivefold ministries and how you might function in those, this uh, website, it's called uh, 5qcenter.com slash tests. There is a inventory there. It's called APEST, Apostles, Prophets, Evangelists. They changed the teacher or the pastor to shepherd. So APEST, Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Shepherd, and Teacher. And it takes a look and it defines the fivefold ministry in that space, but it also gives you an inventory where you can take and get a sense of what your particular giftings might be. And it will help you to understand how you can be engaged with discipleship, engaging with other people, ministering to them, and leading them into a fuller relationship with Jesus. Why is this all important? Because God is building his church. Jesus is building his church. And building his church is because he's building something that the gates of hell cannot withstand. And as we grow in strength with each other and we grow in a confidence in knowing what God has called us to and who he's called us to be, as we step out in those purposes, as we step out to serve him in this world, the barriers that the devil has created to keep us from being effective will not be able to stand. The gates of hell will not stand against a church empowered by the Holy Spirit led to fulfill God's promises, living according to their calling, knowing who they are, and what they're supposed to do. So I want to encourage you. We are so excited for what we've seen in Crosspoint. You are unique. Every church is unique because it's got different people in it. But you are unique. And you are uniquely placed in Northeast Edmonton to have an impact that will change people's lives. So I want to encourage you. Brenda and I uh, have a, a soft spot for Mike and Kim. And I have to tell you, he was an unexpected application for us. But when we looked at his profile and we matched it up with your profile, it's not a perfect match, but it's a really good one. And I want to encourage you to allow God to work to knit your hearts together because you will shape Mike as much as he will be involved with shaping you. Because it is not one person leading. It's the body of Christ creating an environment where we stand for each other, caring for each other, and helping each other move forward. None of us arrive here without the grace of Jesus, right? That includes your pastors. We all need grace. And we all need God to lead us. So I want to encourage you. See, I forgot now the benediction. Oh, oh no. Please stand with me. Look at that. They solved it for me right there. 
Let me remind you of who you are. Who are you? Really? What are you called about? So go and be who you are and love each other well. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, and welcome back. Thanks for listening to this Sunday's message. We hope that we've helped you in your spiritual journey and that you're drawing closer to God. At Crosspoint, we gather on Sundays at 10 a.m. in Northeast Edmonton and throughout the week in something we love to call home groups. Home groups are encouraging and transformational communities for people just like you. We believe that the journey of faith is done together. So we hope that you'll connect with us at thecrosspointchurch.ca. Now, let me remind you of who you are. You are the people of God, called by God into his redemptive mission in the world. So be who you are.